Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Bring, bring it fast. Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hello, I'm uh, Thomas Nygren. I write for LFCSV.se, and I'm also a regular member at the Total Liverpool podcast. Yep, thanks so much for joining me, Thomas. Uh, we had a couple of people fall out here towards uh, <laughs> towards recording time, but we thought it was important to to recap the season where we discuss everyone, not just our two clubs. Uh, so uh, it'll be the two of us kind of discussing the season on the whole, and then we'll get into specifics a little bit later. Uh, where I wanted to start um, is with the news of the day, which is that Manchester City reached a hundred points. Obviously, an incredible achievement has not never been done in a Premier League season before. Uh, first of all, how impressed were you by the fact that Manchester City got there? And secondly, how long do you think this record will stand? I've been very impressed by Manchester City the whole season. Uh, they've been playing on another level than most of the other teams. And, uh, Except when they play you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we like to play Manchester City more than Manchester United. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, of course, 100 points is very impressive. And uh, the way they have been playing, it's... Uh, They've been scoring for fun most of the season, and uh, I think they will be hard to catch next season as well. Uh, maybe I don't think they will reach 100 points next season. Maybe it will take a, it will need be something something special to get there. And uh, I don't think they will win as many games next season, but they will be very hard to catch. Yeah, they're obviously a very good side. Is that what you think then? That the team that will catch the city side is another city side. Yeah, probably it looks like this uh, now. Um, as long as Guardiola stays, mm. uh, they will be very hard to hard to beat. Uh, but next year, I think they will lose some more games because the other teams has to find a way to play them. And they, when we play them, uh, it works. So maybe the other teams at the top of the table will look at the way Liverpool plays because I was uh, I was at Etihad and watched Manchester City Chelsea earlier this season, and Chelsea didn't want to play. They just watched City score and then uh, were satisfied just losing with a goal. Uh, the other top teams need to play another game against them if they, if we don't want them to win every season. Yeah, they definitely look very dangerous. And when, while they did spend a lot of money in the summer, they spent a lot of that money to get younger. Um, and so the, no longer is this the aging squad that looked like it had a kind of a uh, best sell-by date. Um, this this team will continue to grow and be very scary for years to come. Um, next up, uh, we're just going to kind of start recapping the season on the whole. We'll start with uh, you with Liverpool. What was your favorite moment of the season for Liverpool? And if you have a larger one for the club, uh, feel free to share that as well. Well, I have um, yeah, there two games um, for Liverpool this season that was very special to me. At first, it was uh, the, win- the win against Burnley. I think it was in December or early January when we... But the tough part of the season where we rested a few players and uh, we won by a goal by Reinhard Klavan in the closing t- closing minutes. And uh, 
I think that win was very important for us coming to coming into January when we lost uh, Coutinho, who gave us a bit, uh, gave us a good amount of points to start over when he left. Uh, and the other game is the win against City and the league. Who was just I think it was a week after we sold Coutinho to Barcelona. Yeah, it was so your was first match statement. without him. Yeah, it was a big statement for the club that we were more than just Philip Coutinho. After that, it almost looks like we have we have a better team when uh, without Coutinho. Of course, we miss his uh, skills as a player at set pieces, and uh, he's, he has scored some wonderful goals for Liverpool. But as a as a as a team, we look more solid without Coutinho, and our defensive record shows that in the second part of the season. Uh, I think it's the first; it's our best um, best defensive record in almost ten years. And I think that uh, selling Coutinho and putting a more uh, natural midfielder in there is uh, is one of the main reasons behind that. So the win against Burnley and the win against City is two games that I will remember from this season. Uh, and uh, in, the, in the Premier League as a whole, it's hard to not mention Arsene Wenger leaving. He's been in Arsenal for as long as I can remember. And uh, I don't think there are probably many Arsenal supporters out there who doesn't even remember who was there before him. Uh, so see him leave is, of course, a, it's a big moment for uh, for Premier League. And it was nice to hear all the other managers talk so, talk so good about him because uh, he deserves that. He's a... He's a, he has been a good coach, Wenger, but he probably should have left a couple of years earlier because he has to get Ars- got Arsenal going for at least the past two seasons. So maybe it was a bit late, but um, he deserved uh, all the credit that he's gotten in the in the end of the season. It was it was nice also to see them win the last games, so that he wasn't uh, that he wasn't booed off by the fans. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that you brought up Wenger so that I wouldn't be uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be forced to um, for the league and this is really more because of the tone it set and then how prophetic the result ended up being in terms of how those seasons would go. I think that Burnley Chelsea match to start the year was just very very fascinating. Obviously, there were great individual moments like Salah breaking the the goal scorer record in the 38 match season that he, that he did today. Um, uh, obviously City, as we mentioned before, them breaking the 100 points, any of those matches where they broke history, which ended up being multiple fixtures throughout the year when they beat most goals scored, everything like that. But just because of the, uh, like I said, like the almost prophetic nature of, of what it would, what the seasons would be like for Burnley and Chelsea, uh, one make, well, both of them (laughs) going to be in the Europa League, um, which I doubt many people thought at the start of the season. So I thought as a match, I thought that one was absolutely fascinating, uh, both at the time and then what it kind of implied. Uh, going forward uh, for Tottenham, uh, cheating a little bit uh, and moving outside the Premier League. Although, uh, unfortunately for you, that the four-one against Liverpool, when we were very concerned heading into that match, was great. But but the highlight of the season has to be the three-one win uh, at Wembley against Real Madrid. Um, the fact that in the last ten minutes we were uh, doing olays around the stadium against the holding Champions League holders, and uh, people point out that Real Madrid were not as good at that point in the season, but they are in the final against your Liverpool. So um, pretty, uh, pretty impressive feat that was, and it was just a ridiculous moment. Um, every time one of our goals went in, just lost my entire mind. Uh, and, and that'll be one of those memories that, that I'll have forever as a fan uh, of both Tottenham and of this particular uh, year. 
All right, continuing to kind of have an expanded view of the season, uh, what teams do you think most over and underperformed this year? Well, if you look at the teams who overperformed, they have to go with uh, Newcastle. Uh, we all know that Jaffa Benitez is a great manager, but um, that he could take them this far with the squad that he's got is is really impressive. And the way that uh, John Shelby has changed under Benitez from uh, a player that you can't rely on to uh, a player that maybe can start for uh, England in the World Cup, that uh, I'm very impressed by them. So uh, I have to say that Newcastle has overperformed, and of course Burnley as well. Uh, they are going to the Europa League next season, and I I predicted them to be in the relegation battle this season, and they, they have never been close to it. As you said, they beat Chelsea early on, and they have, I've been waiting for them to drop, but uh, they haven't dropped any, any more than to seventh place, and that's uh, really impressive. Uh, there have been a few teams underperforming as well. Arsenal's away record is uh, abysmal. I think it was the 15th or 16th place mm. in the league, if you look at just the away form, and that that's uh, not nearly good enough for a team as, as good as Arsenal should be. And uh, I want to say Manchester United as well, even though they are in second place, because they have played extremely boring football, and they are, it looks like they're going to, to miss uh, Martial next season because he doesn't want to be at the club according to rumors and uh, they have there are many players coming into Manchester United who gets worse and uh, they still play with a uh, back four players bought by Alex Ferguson and uh, that's not that's not good by Mourinho to who should be a good defensive coach so without David Gea they probably miss Champions League next season so uh they are ahead of us in the league, so it's hard to say that they are underperformed. But the way they play, they shouldn't be second in the league. Mm. Yeah, I don't think many people view them as the second best team in the league, even though the points tally certainly points towards that. Um, completely agree with you um, on Burnley. And, and for me, not just Newcastle, but all of the promoted teams. I mean, Huddersfield and Brighton didn't seem to have a whole lot about them. I mean, Huddersfield in particular came up to the Premier League with a negative goal difference in the championship. Um, <laughs> didn't really seem like they would have a chance at all, but they got their points when it mattered. And Brighton, you know, taking a point off of us and then beating United um, to kind of wrap up their safety, I thought was absolutely incredible. Um, <clears throat> underperformed, I think, West Brom. I mean, you mentioned that the, the Newcastle squad isn't incredible and that, and that Rafa did a great feat to keep them up. I, th- I think it was equally impressive that Pulis and uh, Pardew managed to drag what is uh, is Dan, our, our West Brom correspondent, continued to say. This is one of the most talented teams he's ever seen constructed at West Brom, but they just didn't have the right man leading them. They never really gelled as a team. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think it's it's genuinely embarrassing that they not only went down, but went down in 20th. I mean, this team should have been much, much better than that. This should have been in that, like, 12 to 14th in the league team. And then they just kind of made failure after failure and found themselves out of the league. Um, the other one I wanted to talk about, uh, now that you've already gotten to speak on United, is Everton. Because I think, uh, obviously, kind of like you were talking about United, Everton fans have been done with this season emotionally for, it feels like, months now um, since Allardyce took over. But they ended up finishing eighth. And I don't know if coming into the season, too many people would have had them much higher than that. Um, just if people really believed in Leicester, if people thought that 
Um, we would see a better uh, Crystal Palace under De Boer. I, I just feel like a lot of people may have had teams ahead where Burnley was. And so then you're already thinking that Everton are out of the top six. They only finish um, one point short of seventh, or sorry, one, uh, one place short of seventh. So it, while they, they have definitely underperformed, much like you're saying with Manchester United, I think they just about finished in the league what they would have hoped at the start of the season, no? Yeah, maybe it should have been better for Everton if they had lost a few games in the end. Now that they had finished maybe 14th or 13th <laughs> or something like that, so that they could sack them at ice without any without any problem and uh, realize that they need to change a lot of things in their squad. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for for me, West Brom definitely an Everton play style. Yes, like it's play style with you for United, but uh, in the league. Uh, ended up in a fairly decent position. Um, unfortunately, uh, as I mentioned there with West Brom, there are three clubs, of course, that are going down this season. It's going to be uh, West Brom and uh, Stoke. And unfortunately today, Swansea uh, also are going to make the drop after they lost to Stoke and certainly didn't get the monstrous when they needed uh, Manchester City to have over Southampton. Uh, which of these three sides will you miss the most in the Premier League? Well, first of all, I think I will absolutely not, not miss uh, West Brom because we dropped so many unnecessary points against them the last last years that it would be very nice not to play them next season. We managed to lose against them even when they have uh, had Alan Pardew as a coach, and I think we were almost the only team who made that. So I will not miss West Brom. Uh, I think I'll probably most miss uh, Stoke, but that's mainly because of uh, Peter Crouch, who's been a favorite of mine since he played for uh, Liverpool. I love watching him play, even now when he's getting older. I think he scored the winner today, and um, there will he he won't be signed by a Premier League team next season. I can't see that happen. So um, from these three, I think I will miss uh, Stoke the most, and I will miss Swansea mainly because. Uh, when we do the Q&A for our website, it's nice to the Swansea guys who write, uh, answer the questions are always very good. And uh, this next season, I won't be able to ask them any questions about how Swansea are doing. So I will miss uh, reading their answers, but I don't think I will miss uh, Swansea in the league very much. They, I would say that they deserve to go down. They have done some uh, bad decisions in the managerial positioning and uh, they had they've had it coming for a few years, so I'm not very surprised that they go down. So, out of these three, I think I'll miss uh, Stoke the most. Interesting. Uh, I'm kind of on the other side. I, I uh, was ready for Stoke to go down, but um, <laughs> and and conversely, I, I also think I'm going to miss Swansea. I, I totally agree with you. By the way, I do not think they deserve to stay up. They had it all to play for, and could have. They had the their own safety in their own hands, and then lost five consecutive matches to end the year. I mean, that, that's just inexcusable. And, of course, they deserve to go down because of that. I just feel like Swansea suffered death by a thousand cuts uh, in the Premier League. Just some signings didn't work out. Then the club didn't perform. Then, they brought, then they'd sack their manager and bring in a new manager that wasn't as good. Players become a little bit disillusioned. Maybe you bring in a good manager, you get a good spell for a while. Then they start to struggle. You get rid of the manager. You lose some of the players. Like last summer, losing uh, Lorente and Sigurdsson, who did nothing for their new clubs. Uh, which I'm sure is even more painful for Swansea fans, um, thinking just if they had been able to hold on to them, what kind of different season would they have had? <laughs> but Swansea had a great stay in the Premier League. I think it was seven years that they ended up uh, staying up in the Premier League. They beat just about all of the big boys, um, including there was like a two-year stretch where they just kept beating United. 
um, which I'm sure you would have enjoyed. They had great yeah. individual stories and seasons. I mean, you had Boney and Michu, Lorente, Sigurdsson. I mean, Fabianski's career was over post Everton or post uh, Arsenal, and then to see what he's done um, the majority of the years. I think there was one pretty shaky one in there, but um, and they, you know, they had that Swansea Lona team where. Their their play style was just infectious. Everybody kind of viewed them as a team that they uh, at least liked to watch, whether or not neutrals, uh, you know, had them as like a second team or, or, or such um, is debatable. But they were just a fun team to have in the Premier League. They picked up good results. They played a good style. And like I said, then it was just death by a thousand cuts and the play style got worse. The managers got worse. The players got worse. Um, Hugh Jenkins seemed to run out of ideas as a chairman. Um, and, and so, yes, they, they did deserve to go down this year. Um, but they, they still certainly have a soft spot in my heart and I, I hope they can get things right. And I think it is easier for them to get things right in the championship than it was in the premier league. You can kind of take a step back, reevaluate, you can let, uh, players go with either bloated egos or, or wage packets, um, that don't want to have to go down to the championship and, and maybe rebuild there. They do, do have some talented young players, um, like McBurney who can come through and, Hopefully they can develop him. Hopefully they can hang on to Mawson. I would be very surprised, to be honest. Um, but that's the kind of young player that you need uh, to kind of uh, grow your club uh, from a smaller nucleus and try to grow back up into a Premier League club. Uh, but anyway, for me, Swansea will be missed. Um, <clears throat> that will do it for our, our kind of intro topics here. We'll take a quick break, and I'll come right back to you to ask you about Liverpool. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, and we are back. Uh, Thomas, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Obviously, there was some uh, uh, <laughs> emotions back and forth between Liverpool fans and, and Tottenham fans this season. Uh, but how uh, proud are you of Liverpool securing top four despite issues like selling Coutinho, which at the time people said you know was going to end your season, the ownership was giving up by selling Coutinho, to see where you went from then to where you are now, as you said, even playing better football now. Uh, what have you made of this, especially second half of the season, but securing top four this year? Well, the second half of the season has been very impressive. Uh, when we lost Coutinho but uh, signed Van Dijk, uh, something changed. In Liverpool, we're more uh, solid on the defense. In the defense, and uh, we still played good football, offensive. So the second part of the season has been has been very good. It wasn't until um, the Champions League games kept coming that we that we uh, lost speed. We dropped uh, some unnecessary points in the final games, but uh, we doesn't we don't have the big to be uh, a squad big enough to compete in both Premier League and Champions League over time. Uh, 
we're, we're a bit lucky that the Chelsea missed the opportunity to to win against Huddersfield and put some real pressure on us for today. Uh, but uh, getting into the Champions League for the second consecutive year is, is, of course, very important for Liverpool because we haven't been there for two years in a row in, I think, but in uh, 10 years. And if you want to buy the best players, you need to be in Champions League every year. Uh, of course, the key to the success is the offensive way that we have played with uh, Firmino, who I still think is a bit underrated, and uh, Salah scoring goals in almost every game. So the offensive way that we play is, uh, is the key to success. But I think that uh, our defensive, um, the, the, the improved defense has uh, come a bit unnoticed in the, in the past. Both the back four with um, Van Dijk, who has made Lovren look much better, even though he... He misses Isn't. a couple of. Uh, <laughs> we know that he has a mistake in him, but uh, not as often as he used to. Um, and the fullbacks has come from uh, Andy Robertson from uh, Hull, who looks like the best left-sided defender we've had since I was born. And uh, <laughs> Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's still a teenager and uh, plays in the Champions League, like he's uh, done it for years. So that's very impressive. But the midfield. In the last month is the thing that has imp- impressed me the most. We've lost players like uh, Emre Can has been injured and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain got injured. And it doesn't matter when Vin um, Aldum comes in and plays in the role as a number six. Like he's done it his whole life. Very impressive. And um, James Milner in the second part of the season has been extraordinary. I've always liked James Milner, even when he played for, uh, for Leeds. But the past month in Liverpool has been uh, it's been outstanding, and uh, he, uh, he has one year left of his contract, and I hope we sign him up for longer because uh, that kind of player is you need that kind of player if you if you want to succeed, who works hard and can play everywhere in the midfield. So in the past month, as we would say, the midfield three has been uh, most impressive. But for the past, and since we sold Coutinho. The whole team has gotten together and showed uh, and showed that we are stronger than one player. So it wasn't the same as when we sold Suarez a few years ago and the team fell apart. This time the team got together, and um, that has been very nice to see. Yeah, um, obviously don't want to bring this evil into the world, but if, uh, unfortunately, you did not win the Champions League final. I mean, still an achievement getting there. Would you still consider this a, a successful campaign for Liverpool? Uh, yeah, I would. Um, of course, I want I want to to win the Champions League final, but just to play those games when everyone's watching, it's important to a club like Liverpool so that we don't uh, so that the youngsters outside in the world uh, forgets us because we haven't been in the biggest games for quite a while now. And um, I, 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 as a teacher, I meet, a lot, of, I meet a, a lot of teenagers and none of them support Liverpool because they don't watch Liverpool. They watch Champions League. So they support Real Madrid, they support Barcelona. And if we want to be a good, a big team in, uh, in Europe, we need to play in the big games in Champions League. And even if we lose the final, we have a, we've done an impressive campaign. So... That's important to us. And uh, just to get into the Champions League next season, that's what I wanted when we started. I didn't, 
I hadn't uh, didn't have an idea to be in the Champions League final. I was happy to be in the Champions League, and I if I just to be in the Champions League next season makes this year a success to me, and to to be able to win Champions League this year, well, it's almost too good to be true if we if we can make it. It would obviously be a, a very very impressive feat. Uh, do you have any uh, questions about Tottenham? Well, I just first of all, I have to ask you what the hell happened during the game today because I watched on the <laughs> I watched the Liverpool game and it just the goals just kept coming. We were for a while we were third, then we were down to fourth, and then we were third again and ended <laughs> and ended in fourth. So uh, first of all, I want to know what what happened against Leicester. Yeah, it was an absolutely insane match. Um, Vardy <laughs> scored in the first five minutes. Um, and then it looked like we were going to be in real trouble, and then Kane scored again within the first 10. Um, and then it was just like that back and forth. Uh, well, no, it wasn't. It wasn't actually like that at all, because then they scored two more, uh, one right before the half, one right after it. Um, and then we just staged a, a ridiculous comeback. And uh, people that see the minutes of the goals may think that Leicester just gave up, and I don't think they did. I think they were just committed to attacking, and uh, credit to them. I, I think that's one of the reasons why um, you mentioned how great it is being in the Champions League. I think it's one of the things that both Liverpool and Tottenham have enjoyed is teams tend to just set up against us in the Premier League. I mean, even big clubs like Chelsea and United tend to stack up uh, defensively. And so playing a team that just camp- comes out to, to play their game and to attack, and if they concede, so be it, um, is a really, really fun way to watch football. It's terrifying. Uh, you get results like this where there's nine goals, um, but obviously ridiculous. Lamella scored two, arguably three. I, I, I don't think they're going to give it to him because uh, it did take a pretty wicked deflection off of uh, Christian Fuchs. Um, but Kane gets a brace, gets up to uh, 30 goals on the season. We're not going to elaborate on that at all. Um, but um, it, it was an absolutely ridiculous and incredible match. For those wondering what happened to the Tottenham defense, I think this is the only time we scored this many goals this season against a team that wasn't Manchester City. Um, and I think uh, it was largely that Vertonghen um, got pulled from uh, warm-ups at the beginning of the... Uh, or before the match um, with a leg injury. And then afterwards, Pochettino mentioned, you know, with the Belgian camp coming soon and the World Cup, a player that isn't 100% doesn't need to play. Um, and so I think that messed with things. I mean, we've been playing Dyer as our primary defensive midfielder since Wanyama got hurt um, in, in late 2017. And so at the last second, had to push Dyer back to center back. Davinson wasn't in there, and that's who Dyer had played played with. And so now you also have Alderweireld in, who hasn't played much uh, since he came back from his own injury and contract issues. Um, and so it just was not our best... Uh, our best back four. Um, but I thought Kyle Walker-Peters, who stepped in at right back, was amazing. I think I saw somebody say that he actually won man of the match. He did have two assists. And if that's true, then he would have only appeared in match week one and match week 38. And again, as I said, he may have actually gotten man of the match in, <laughs> in both of those games, um, which is pretty which is pretty incredible. But yeah, obviously, um, when we went down 3-1, I assumed, you know, that's us in fourth, Liverpool in third, and I was just thanking my my lucky stars that uh, 
there's been a rule change in the Champions League where now even fourth place automatically goes through to the group stage. Uh, so that wasn't a fear this year. And we knew we'd made top four uh, after Chelsea drew with Huddersfield midweek. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it was it was pretty nerve-wracking considering it started off not mattering and then in the middle felt like it really mattered. <laughs> and then at the end it was like, oh, well, it's just third, so don't worry about it. <laughs> but I'm sure as a Liverpool fan just watching the scoreboard and being like, we're in third. Oh, we're in fourth. We're in third. I uh, was probably a, a bit of a, a low-level emotional roller coaster as well yeah because our game was uh it was over in, in uh, half time so yeah. the most exciting thing in the second half was to to watch the goals in your game so but as you say third or fourth it doesn't really matter now that you need don't need the qualifications yeah and, and it's it only amounts to only it only amounts to about <laughs> two million pounds um in terms of prizes so uh not even as, as significant as some people may think between the the places there uh, anything else about Tottenham, or should we move on? Uh, I think um, I discussed uh, Tottenham with a friend of mine at work uh, the other week, and if, if we look at the, the Tottenham squad, mm-hmm. the starting eleven is is very good. It's hard to say where in the starting eleven you need to, yeah. to get better the next next year. Where do you think that you need to to improve to get closer to Manchester City next year? That is a fantastic question. And one that indirectly Poch mentioned, where he basically, I mean, the the sense that you got from his words was that he has taken this team with this model as far as it can go. With us spending so much less than everyone around us, both total and net, um, it does seem like he thinks we need to bring in some big players. And he said he's going to have those talks with Daniel Levy this week. If you can find his post-match comments, I, I don't have them pulled up right now. But they were pretty direct. Um, about uh, he has some crazy ideas <laughs> that uh, he hopes Levy will listen to in the summer, uh, and so that that kind of implies that we may actually go after big big name players. And then the question, as as you uh, very uh, intel uh, <laughs> very wisely asked, is is where where does that go? I mean, we we address the wing issue with Lucas, although he tends to cut in far more with us than he did with PSG. I would like him to kind of stay out wide because that's what we need is that width. Um, but uh, I think the main one, uh, unfortunately, is central midfield because Harry Winks is dealing with an ankle injury. We hope he recovers from it, but I don't think after a player has missed four or five months with an ankle injury after multiple attempts to come back and multiple setbacks, I think you need to start planning as if he isn't going to be a regular fixture there. Um, Musa Dembele made some noises about being unhappy. I think that's tied to Alderweireld's unhappiness um, because they are all friends. Um but regardless, he's he's going to be in his 30s. You have Winks as the backup at central midfield, and then behind him is Musa Sissoko. Like, like yes, when Dembele's in the 11, Dembele's fit, and Dembele is at his best uh, mentality-wise, he is phenomenal. But I don't think we can count on that long term. And so for me, I think that's the big, that's the big spot. I think the other one is right back. Just because Aurier had such a disappointing season, but I don't think we're going to give up on him after one year. The potential is still evident. He just makes a lot of mistakes. He he gets caught out by people behind him constantly, and he kind of reminds me of a younger Kyle Walker in that in that frame. But Aurier is not as young as Walker was when he broke into the Tottenham side. And Aurier, while very fast, does not have Kyle Walker's pace. Where you know Walker could get beat at the halfway line and still make it back to the box before the person that beat him. 
Um, he does not have that yet. I think Trippier is a phenomenal crosser of the ball. He got much better defensively this year. I think that's another spot. And if there's like a, a third one, maybe center back. Assuming Toby does go, and it sounds like he will, and if it does sound like he will, hypothetically it could be uh, to Spain. Hearing Barcelona stuff, don't want to uh, claim any of that as my own knowledge or anything. And if it ends up being true, it's not my fault. Um, but that's just kind of what's <laughs> floating around whisper-wise right now. If we do lose him... Um, us and everyone else on in the, the footballing sphere is looking at Matthias De Ligt um, as a potential replacement. But it's worth noting for everyone that Davinson Sanchez was the replacement for Toby Alderweireld. We already bought him. We bought him last year, and obviously he played all those matches that Toby missed. Um, so we may not get somebody as high profile as that. People may forget that we bought Juan Foyth last season. I think he may end up being a midfielder just because he's very small. Um, but, you know, maybe he develops well. We also have Cameron Carter-Vickers, who did well in the championship on loan this year. Um, so I, I have seen people say we have to buy a center back. I think we should, especially one that's left-footed, that can kind of deputize Vertonghen so we can protect him as, as his uh, mileage starts to rack up. Um, but, but for me, yeah, I think central midfield will be where we spend the most of our money and then maybe something at right back center back. But, uh, I hon- honestly, it's, it's very hard to say where you go because we, we talked about this in the past, especially with the wings. Because people kept saying we just needed pace. But we tried that with Nkudu and with NG. The issue is we needed pace that was better than Ericsson or, or Delhi or Eric Lamella. And I think we have found Lucas. <laughs> it's hard to say he's better than Lamella after the performance Lamella put in today. Um, but I think uh, both profile and, and total ability-wise, I think Lucas is the better of the two. He offers us something a little different with his paciness. But that's the question. It is with our best 11, where can you improve? And for me, central midfield, right back, and center back are probably the three most glaring ones. Also, I don't think we go for an out-and-out forward. I know people are just assuming we're going to sell Lorente and buy a striker. I would be far less surprised if we brought bought a winger-forward hybrid like Anthony Martial or maybe even Memphis Depay, who, who's um, played further up this year for Lyon and has had a ridiculous season. I'm planning on writing an article about him in the summer. Um, but yeah, don't expect an out-and-out forward signing. Those have all failed for us. I think the best way for us to do it is bring in a winger that can also play up front, and then we have Kane, Son, and whoever we bring in that can all kind of play around there, and then that way you can guarantee the minutes. Whereas when you bring in a Jansen or a Lorente, you're like, okay, you're going to sit on the bench for at least 32 matches this season. Have fun. Um, but yeah, so I, <laughs> I'd say those are, those are the positions we'll probably target in the summer. Uh, on the other hand of that uh, coin, that's not an analogy. On the other side of that coin, um, which players do you think uh, we'll see leaving Liverpool this year? That's an interesting question, but I think um, I don't think we'll see too many players leave this summer because um, we have. It has showed this season that we don't have big squad enough to play in every competition. Right now, I think we have three fit midfielders and Alana coming back from injury, so. We need a bigger squad next season, so I don't think many players will leave. Uh, I'm quite sure Emre Can will leave for Juventus, and uh, I can't say that I will cry myself to sleep over losing him. Uh, we have good midfielders, and we need someone better than uh, Emre Can. And we have we have Keita coming in, so we'll probably go for a defensive midfielder like uh, Jorginho or Ruben Neves or something like that uh, during the summer, and then it won't. I don't think it will matter enough to see when uh, Chan leaves. And uh, maybe Minolea will leave. Uh, he can't, he's at the wrong age to be, a, to be a substitute for the next season. And I think that um, 
I think the clock will go for Karius next season. So maybe Minale will leave. But apart from Shan and Minale, I don't think anyone from the squad right now will uh, leave. Klopp won't seem to want both uh, Moreno and Clavan to stay. And uh, if they don't, um, if they if, if they don't want to leave, I think they will stay. Uh, a few of the players out on loan probably will be sold, like uh, Daniel Sturridge. Uh, I don't think Divock Origi has a place in the Liverpool squad next season. He hasn't done very well out on loan in Germany. So if if we get some money for him, I think he will leave. And of course, Lazar Markovic has to leave. It's hard to remember when he... You almost forget that he plays for Liverpool, but he's been in Anderlecht for, since, I think, since January and done a decent job. So maybe he can stay there. And John Flanagan, if we... If we count him to the squad, I think he probably will leave as well. But uh, since we need a bigger squad, I don't think we can uh, allow many people. Uh, we can't allow many players to leave because um, I don't think Klopp will buy many players, maybe three or four. And then, if most of this squad stays, we will have a bigger squad next season and a better squad. And that's what we need if we want to get closer to Manchester City and uh, go far, go far in the. Champions League because we've seen in the past weeks that uh, the squad now is a bit too thin to compete both in Champions League and uh, and Premier League. If we want to compete with Manchester City, we can't afford to draw against Stoke and uh, West Bromwich in the final uh, games of the season. We need to win those games as well. And um, we can't be uh, as tired as we've been playing in the league for the past week. So uh, not many will leave, probably Emre Can, maybe Simon Mignolet. Apart from them, I think uh, the first team squad will uh, stay the same with players leaving and there may be three or four coming in. If somebody wants to buy players like Adam Bogdan and uh, Conor Randall and those kinds of players, of course they will leave, but I don't, I don't count them as a, a part of uh, the squad. Uh, do you think any of your youth players will, will stick with the first team? I did see some rumors that Rian Brewster may be looking for an exit. Yeah, I've read that he was um, interested in going to Germany. So we'll see what happens with him. But uh, I think uh, Harry Wilson will get a good chance in the preseason. He's been uh, very good for Hull, where he's been this season, and uh, scored a lot of goals. And the same with Marco Grujic, who I thought would be a part of the squad this season, he looked very good in the preseason, but uh, didn't get to play anything before Christmas and has done a good job at Cardiff. So maybe those two will uh, be part of the first team squad next season and play some play some games. Harry Wilson, of course, um, he has some tough players to compete with if he wants to play in the in the front three for Liverpool now. That's when uh, Salah or uh, Mania needs a rest. And I think we will uh, buy a player who can a bit uh, a bit better than Harry Wilson who can uh, play when they are not fit so maybe we'll get a few minutes next season and uh, Marco Gurić as well will, can uh, stay with the first team squad but I think it's just those two out of the youngsters who, who, will, who will be part of the squad next season and of course uh, Woodburn will play more next season I think he uh, he hasn't played in more than maybe one or two games this season he came on as a late substitute today but didn't show much really so uh, those three, maybe, but apart from them, the youngsters will probably go out on loan. And I'm a bit afraid that Ryan Brewster will leave. Uh, he must feel that he's quite far away from getting to play in the first first team. And then maybe going to Germany is good for his development. Hmm. 
Yeah, um, for Tottenham, I think the likely exits, uh, Lorente, Jansen, Nkudu, and Sissoko. And then the maybes are going to be Toby, Rose, and maybe Michelle Vorm, uh, just depending on if he wants minutes. Although he seemed he seems very content uh, to kind of play second fiddle to Hugo Lloris. Uh, the reason I'd be interested in, in Vorm potentially moving on is then maybe you bring in a young keeper, kind of like you did with Karius, um, to just kind of grow into that spot uh, as Hugo continues to age. And, you know, hopefully some of his struggles this year weren't age regression. They were just kind of unfortunate blips. But... um I think we need to kind of start future-proofing uh, there as well. As for our youth, um, I think uh, Onama is going to be the big entrant from kind of the youth uh, group. Obviously, he was out on loan at Aston Villa this season. Had some ups and downs, but um, the fact that he can play central midfield, attacking midfield, and and out on the right, I think gives him a versatility that we'll need, uh, assuming Sissoko is indeed sold. Um, Marcus Edwards continues to struggle um went to Norwich didn't start for like four or five matches and then got hurt and then got sent back worth noting kind of similar to what happened to Kane on loan at Norwich uh take from that what you will um no I'm not implying Marcus Edwards will be the next Harry Kane for us but um I, I don't really think he gets a chance like I mentioned before I think Cameron Carter Vickers may stick uh back in into the First team just as, as center back depth, although we do already have Foyth there. But if we sold Toby, it's possible we would just promote him and kind of count on a combination of Dyer and any of those guys at the back. Um, but outside of that, not really much news. Rio Griffiths, it sounds like, has signed a, a contract. I think he led all scorers in the U18s. Obviously, that's kind of a, a tough barometer. Youth football stats never really... Uh, tell the whole story because players could be a little bit more physically developed or maybe you know they're 19 or 20 playing in u18 stuff like that but uh just just another young name to keep in mind uh potch does like uh, tasha Oakley booth i don't really know if he's gonna uh be seen much this year but uh, those are just a few names to kind of keep an eye on and I, and I hope kyle walker peters does stay on um considering how well uh, he's played in the two matches he has mm-hmm. actually played in all right, we will wrap up with a match preview. Obviously, you have the Champions League final coming up uh, against Real Madrid. Are you confident heading into this one? Uh, I, I don't think I, re- I have realized that we're going to play in the Champions League final just yet. It was, um, was so far away from um, what I thought about this season when we started in the qualifications against Hoffenheim. So um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm already nervous about the game. And uh, it will be really interesting to see how well we can play against Real Madrid because we played them in the Champions League the last time we were in when we had Brendan Rodgers as a coach. And they were miles ahead of us. And um, it will be interesting to see how much better we've been. We've gotten under Klopp. And we saw that um, you beat Real Madrid, so it should be possible for us to do it as well. Mm-hmm. Because, but, but of course, they are, in my world, they are huge favorites to win this game. Uh, but... Um, I think that there can be a style of game that will suit us well if we can just um, wait for a chance to attack and um, and use the speed from uh, Mane and uh, Salah and the smartness from Firmino to get behind the Real Madrid back four. Um, I don't think they are as good as they used to be, and the squad starts to get a bit... Uh, they're, they're getting older, uh, most of the players in Real Madrid, so... Maybe it's the right time to play them in the final. And they've been in the final for many years now, and they've won it two times in a row. So um, maybe we want to win it more than they do. So it will be a a very interesting game, of course. And I'm extremely happy to get the chance to watch the Champions League final with Liverpool in it once again. 
uh, it's been, uh, I think it was uh, 11 years since last time, and I thought that it would take about 11 more years before we get the chance to play in the Champions League final. So to be there and to get the chance to see Liverpool against Real Madrid in the Champions League final is, uh, is huge. And of course, I want us to win. And um, I would be extremely nervous when the game starts, but it's two weeks to the game now, and now I'm just uh, I'm just happy to, to that Liverpool is is the sec is a part of the final. So it will be very interesting to see if um, if ever, how which players are fit because James Milner was injured today, and if he is out of the game, we only have uh, Henderson and Vinaldum in midfield with. Uh, uh, if Adam Lalana isn't ready to start, so that would be very, very bad for us. And uh, Real Madrid has a great midfield. We we need more than Vinaldum and Henderson if we want to stop Luka Modric and Toni Kroos and all those players to rule the game. So if our starting eleven is uh, fit and uh, we get a good start, I think we have a chance to to win the game. But Real Madrid is, of course, favorites to win. Yeah, it's it's gonna be. Uh, I'm sure just a, <laughs> this match is gonna age you years. I yeah. assume. <laughs> yeah. But uh, best of luck uh, to Liverpool in that final. Uh, Thomas, absolutely a pleasure speaking with you today. Uh, why don't you tell the folks where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Thomas Nygren and uh, at www.lfcsv.se. The page is in them. Um, it's in Swedish, but uh, maybe you can use Google Translate and or watch the pictures or something like that. And we also have a <laughs> podcast called Total Liverpool Podcast, which is also in Swedish. But uh, uh, if you understand Swedish, you can <laughs> you can download a few episodes of it. If you don't understand, you can just download some episodes to, just to to get the word out. Yeah, and the the match previews you usually put out in English, right? Where you have the guests on. Yeah, they are. Mostly in English. Yeah, so, so there's plenty of English content over there as well. Definitely be sure to check it out. Uh, I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. You can find my writings over at Goal and Goal Betting for fantasy and betting, uh, respectively. I will be doing a Team of the Season uh, article tonight that should be up uh, early this week. Uh, also, uh, we should have uh, wrap-up shows for both um, the uh, championship, where they're, they're currently in the midst of the playoffs, uh, so be sure to check them out, and there should be a, a fantasy recap this week as well. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for joining me, Thomas. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.